Hello, welcome to the Hot Rod Bible Study, where tonight we are concluding our study in the book of Jonah. Now, last week we ran an especial because it was Christmas, and we went uh, did Luke to the Christmas story, so I hope everybody had a swell Christmas. I know we did. Uh, so I'd like to kind of review where we are, and I'd like to start off by contrasting the last two books we were in. Again, we, we did Hosea prior to doing Jonah, and Hosea was uh, more of an obedient prophet, and we have our friend Jonah, who's a reluctant prophet. Hosea was obedient to the point of actually marrying a prostitute and then buying her back when she sold herself off. He was obedient to God, and he preached to the children of Israel who did not repent. Now, we contrast that with Jonah. Now, God says to Jonah, I need you to go up to Nineveh and preach to the Ninevites. Well, Jonah didn't much care for the Ninevites, and so instead of going 500 and some odd miles northeast, he decides he's going to go about that same direction southwest, which includes a boat ride. And we all know about God causing a storm and also providing a large fish for when the sailors chucked old Jonah overboard. And so then Jonah spends a couple of days in the belly of this fish and has a change of heart. He, uh, he prays for God's mercy and God is merciful to him as when we pray for his mercy, he's merciful to us. And he causes the fish to upchuck old Jonah out on dry land. Now, God says to Jonah, still need you to go to Nineveh. And Jonah says, well, okay, because he was done with the deep sea adventures. So he went up to Nineveh and preached God's word to them. And what did the Ninevites do? They repented. And they came to be believers in God. Wow. There's a big contrast. And that's where we ended up in chapter 3. Tonight we're in chapter 4. So if you join me in prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you again, as always, for this opportunity to be studying your word. We thank you for your word that you have given us to study. Lord, we pray that you open our hearts and minds to your word. We pray, Lord, that uh, you send your Holy Spirit upon this place. And as always, keep me out of the way. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, this is a fairly short chapter. Um, but but it, it, we find out Jonah's response to what uh, the Ninevites with them repenting. Uh, it, it's kind of interesting how that works out. But we'll, we'll read through and we'll get there. Uh, verse 1 it begins by saying, But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he became angry. So he prayed to the Lord and said, Ah, Lord, was not this what I said when I was still in my country? Therefore I fled previously to Tarshish, for I knew that you are a gracious and merciful God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, one who relents from doing harm. Therefore, Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. Hmm. 
And the Lord said, Is it right for you to be angry? So Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city. There he made himself a shelter and sat under it in the shade till he might see what would become of the city. And the Lord God prepared a plant, made it come up over Jonah, that it might be a shade for his head and to deliver him from his misery. So Jonah was very grateful for the plant. But as the morning dawned the next day, God prepared a worm. And it so damaged the plant that it withered. And it happened when the sun rose that God prepared a vehement east wind. And the sun death beat on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. Then he wished death for himself and said, It is better for me to die than to live. Then God said to Jonah, Is it right for you to be angry about the plant? And he said, and he said, meaning Jonah, it is right for me to be angry, even to death. But the Lord said, you have had pity on the plant for which you have had not labored, nor made it grow, which came up in a night and perished in a day. And should I not pity Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who cannot discern between their right hand and their left hand, and much livestock. And that's where it leaves us on. It almost, almost feels feel like you want to have more. It almost feels like you want Jonah to reply to God. Okay, well, here's what goes on. Let's take a look at it and see what God has to say to us. Um, verse 1, it says, But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he became angry. Jonah had a deep-seated hatred for the Ninevites. Uh, the Ninevites were sworn enemies, being Assyrian, of the Israelites. Okay? Uh, it kind of reminded me when I was thinking about this, uh, there was a movie in the 50s that starred Spencer Tracy that was called A Bad Day in Black Rock. And Spencer Tracy comes to this town of Black Rock to present a uh, Purple Heart posthumously to the family of the man who had saved his life. Well, it turns out the man that saved his life, now recognize this is in the 50s, so we're talking about World War II, okay? And the man that saved Spencer Tracy's life happened to be of Japanese descent, right? So he shows up at this town and he can't find the family. Well, because it turns out that the family had been killed and their farm had been burnt down by some bigoted guy who was unable to go fight the war in the Pacific. And so it, it kind of shows this, and, and really it, it works with me. I grew up around a bunch of guys who were veterans of the war in the Pacific, uh, saw a lot of atrocities, and didn't much care for Japanese automobiles. Uh, but I don't think to a man that they would not have wanted to see the Japanese people, you know, we're comparing this to Nineveh, I don't think to a man they would have liked to see the Japanese people burn in hell and not come to know Jesus as their Savior. But it's still, we all can have these deep-seated prejudices and hatreds and if we look within ourselves, we say, well, man, we're blessed. I, I am so blessed. 
Everybody in this room is blessed because we know Jesus as our Savior and knows that all the stupid stuff that we have done and the stupid stuff we continue to do and the stupid stuff we're going to keep doing, that Jesus paid the price for that. Okay? That we are saved. We will go to heaven. There is no question about it. So then we cannot, in all good conscience, want somebody who is of a different nationality or whatever thing like that to fry in hell. It's kind of funny. I was in a, a, a Kiwanis group, and I was the Human and Spiritual Values Committee Chair, whoopee, which really meant that I put on a prayer breakfast every year. And I had somebody come up and say, why don't we go to have this prayer breakfast? Well, why not? Well, what about other countries? I think they meant, they thought that if we prayed that God would bless the United States, that we would pray that, they, that he would damn the other countries. That's not the case. We want everybody, and God wants everybody to come to the knowledge, the saving grace of Jesus Christ. That's the deal. But we all, I'm just trying to point out, we all can have these deep-seated prejudices, and that's what Jonah had. Goes on to say, so he prayed to the Lord and said, Ah, Lord, was this not what I said when I was still in my country? Therefore, I fled previously to Tarshish. Yeah, no lie. We know how good that worked out. For I know that you are a gracious and merciful God, slow to anger. Now, this is a stark contrast to Jonah. If you really want to get down to it, it is a stark contrast to Willie. I have had anger issues. Well, it's not so bad now. I think maybe it's because I'm too darn old to try and get too excited about too much stuff anymore. But boy, when I was younger, my old man wanted to get me a punching bag to punch me back. Because <laughs> I'd throw tools and do all this stuff. Really dumb stuff. But here it is. God is merciful and slow to anger. Stark contrast to Jonah too. And abundant in loving kindness. One who relents from doing harm. So therefore, now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. Here's a note on this. It's kind of interesting. This is, this is a quote from Jonathan Swift. You may have heard of him. He was an 18th century poet and satirist who was the author of Gulliver's Travel. And I've heard of Jonathan Swift, but I didn't realize that he was the author of Gulliver's Travel. And he puts it this way in a little poem. says, We are God's chosen few. All others will be damned. There is no place in heaven for you. We can't have heaven crammed. <laughs> Isn't that something? Talk about satire. But that's what Jonah was being like. Man, it's for us. It's not for them. You know, it can't be for them. They're terrible. Okay, so he wasn't. Isn't that funny how God sends him to the people of Nineveh to preach God's word so that they would know him and be saved? <laughs> and it works out, and Jonah didn't like it. Wow, it just blows your mind. So, Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city. There he made himself a shelter and sat down under a shade till he might see what would become of the city. Now what I envision here 
is a little kid who's off there pouting. But I'm going to see what's going to happen to these guys. You know, it's kind of, I, I think about the, uh, ah, Red Skelton had, uh, what was the name of the kid, the, the rotten little kid, you know, that was in the deal. If, if, you're, if you listen to old radio programs like I do, Red Skelton's a hoot. But it had, me, oh, the mean, mean little kid, right, was the guy. And they're pouting all the time. Well, that's what I see Jonah doing here. He's like the mean little kid who's pouting because he's not getting his way. Verse 6 says, And the Lord prepared a plant, just as he had prepared the great fish for Jonah. And, and made it to come up over Jonah that he might be, might, that it might be shaved for his head to deliver him from his misery. So Jonah was very grateful for the plant. Now Jonah's been, pardon the expression, pissing and moaning this entire time. He has not been a happy camper. Things aren't going his way. And now he's, he's pouting and all this stuff. And all of a sudden, he's great. Well, let's see what it says here in another note. James Boyce put it this way. This is the first time that we find our friend Jonah happy. Jonah was pleased because at last, after all the compassion of God for other people, God was finally doing something for Jonah. Well, wait a minute. He saved Jonah from shipwreck. He saved Jonah from the, <laughs> the belly of the fish. He's been looking after him all this time. Okay, God was finally doing something for Jonah. And here's the deal. Selfish, of course. And it was petty as well. Okay. Pretty decent quotes. Uh, verse 7. But as morning dawned the next day, God prepared a worm, and so, and it so damaged the plant that it withered. And it happened when the sun arose that God prepared a vehement east wind, and the sun beat on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. You know, interestingly enough, when we get upset, uh, Face turns red. You know, like when you get, you see somebody who's really mad, their face is turning red, and there's heat building up there. You know, hence the term a hothead, right? So here's Jonah being a real hothead, and uh, it goes on to say that he wished, he grew, so he grew faint. Then he wished death for himself and said, It is better for me to die than to live. Again, poor old Jonah. Nobody likes me. Everybody hates me. I'll go out and eat worms. Right? Uh, verse 9. Then God said to Jonah, Is it right for you to be angry about the plant? You know, God says that kind of stuff to us at times. You know, are you really righteous in your, uh, in your anger here? And Jonah said, It is right for me to be angry, even unto death. You know... When we get that way, we get when we get righteous in our anger, do we ever stop and look back and think of how foolish we were? You know, I, there are there are times, you know, hey, quite honestly, there's Jesus with the money changers in the temple. He was not a happy camper, and he took care of business right off the bat, but he did not sin in his anger. And there is there's the key. Well, this is what what Jonah's doing, he's sinning in his anger because he's going against God, right? But we do that 
we sometimes have this idea that we have every right to be angered because we were wrong. Well, think about every time that we have wronged God in our actions, or we have wronged others in our actions. And do they have the right to be angry with us? Well, I guess so, but we don't much care for that either. All right. Verse 10 says, But the Lord said, You have had pity on the plant for which you have not labored, nor made it grow, which came up in the night and perished, but came up in the night and perished in the night. And should I not pity Nineveh, that great city, which there are more than 120,000 persons who cannot discern their right hand and their left, and much livestock. Now yeah, that's kind of tough. The Message Bible puts it this way. It says, what's this? How is it that you change your feelings from pleasure? Remember, he was grateful for the, for the shade, right? Change your feelings from pleasure to anger overnight about a mere shade tree that you did nothing to get. You neither planted nor watered it. It grew up one night and died the next night. So why can't I likewise change what I feel about Nineveh from anger to pleasure? This big city of more than 120,000 childlike people who don't yet know right from wrong to say nothing of innocent animals. And that's where God leaves us. He says, what is your right to be upset about all this? Again, the contrast, that's the reason why I believe the Lord placed it on my heart to do these two studies. By the way, next week we're going to be back in, in the New Testament. We're going to be in the book of James. James is another interesting guy. You know, he's a half-brother of Jesus. And he's telling you, you know what? Faith without works. If you, if you believe in Jesus as your Savior, that's great. But man, you really ought to show others. <laughs> you know, that's the deal. So it's going to be an interesting book to study. But nevertheless, this is the deal. There's this big contrast between this this obedient prophet and this reluctant prophet. But they were both chosen by God to be prophets. Hmm. Here it is. Uh, here's a quote. I'm going to end with this. This is a quote from Martin Luther, who, by the way, said some really stupid things and got himself in a lot of trouble, too. You know, here it is. Here it is. He was a great theologian who really pounded on your saved by grace through faith, not by your works. And he was very adamant about that. And he had so many things. And he's my kind of guy because he drew pictures of the Pope as a, as a horse's ass. <laughs> you know, he, he probably was a pretty interesting guy to have a beer or two with, which he did drink. But he also said some really stupid things, right? Matter of fact, he said things about how Jews should be burned at the stake, which Hitler took and said, hey, Dr. Luther said we should do this. Well, he did it out of frustration because he figured that if the Jewish folks had the scriptures in a language that they could understand, which he translated the Bible into the vulgar German, that they would come to know Jesus. That doesn't excuse it. It's an explanation, but it's not an excuse. He said some really stupid things, but he said some good things, such as this. We must... Note, first of all, how wondrous God is in his saints, lest we be tempted to judge and condemn them thoughtlessly because of their actions. 
This work here may be evil, as indeed it is. But for all of that, I must not despise and reject the person. And I'm going to stop right there. You know, it's okay to reject people's ideas. You don't have to reject the person. And let me go on further. It says, for if, if we regard Jonah in this act, we must agree that his actions are surely wrong. For God himself punishes him. Okay? God can figure that it was wrong. He's punishing him. Okay? And yet he is God's dear child. He chats so uninhibitedly with God as though he were not at least a bit afraid of him. As indeed he is not. He confides in him as a father. And there's another, another lesson for us. We need not be afraid of God. You know, it's this, you know, being having the fear of the Lord. No, that's of respect. We need not be afraid of God. We need to come to Him and speak to Him like you would, would your father or whatever uh, person is your mentor that you can open up to and say these things, because He's on our side. If he wasn't on our side, he certainly wouldn't have sent his son to pay the price for our sins. So always remember that. Okay, so here it is. Questions, comments, smart aleck remarks. I don't know if you've been able to see Brahma the Wonder Dog cruising by. Hasn't shown up. Huh? Well, okay. Well, Brahma the Wonder Dog's been cruising through here. Uh, so we've had a little fun with that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so... With that, remember next week we'll be in the book of James, and I hope you're able to join us with that for that. And so I'd like to close with a blessing. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Amen.